Good to have you back in, youth, as well. Good to see you downstairs joining in as well. Thank you, guys. All right. Oh, we've got something special planned. It's going to be good. Nativity. It's going to be fun. Coming up 10th of December. All right. There we go. I'm going to switch to this one, if that's all right, because I'm a wiggle pot and I can't stand still. So that's absolutely fine. Good. All right. You may be thinking, hang on a minute, Matt. Was that a Christmas reading? Who was thinking that? Who was not ready for that? Woo! Christmas, hang on a minute, son. You've gone a bit early. Um, that's okay. It certainly does feel early. If we can bring up my PowerPoint. It certainly does feel early to be uh, thinking about Christmas. Um, this week, if we can bring up the PowerPoint, guys. This week, I've been brilliant. I've been uh, working on the church Christmas card, planning the church Christmas teaching series, organising the carols and all that we're going to do. And just to say, those who are interested in singing for the choir, for the uh, carols by candlelight, look out for an email this week. I know Mig's already mentioned it, but we will be letting you know rehearsal dates. We'd love some new folks. If you've never done it, join in this year. If you can sing, hold a tune, come and take part. If you think you can sing and hold a tune, come and take part. It's all right. It's all right. (laughs) If you know you can't, and you still want to do it, you can come and take part if you like. Um, it's not a problem. Tell me, has anybody brought a present yet? See? It's not that early, is it? Look at that, eh? Who's bought all their presents? So I'm going to have to ask you to leave, I'm afraid. You're just making the rest of us feel too bad. It really is. That's incredible. I didn't expect anyone to answer that. Okay, who's put any decoration up? Anyone put a decoration up? Anything? Nice. I saw a tentative little finger in the back from Jenny. Maybe. Okay. Who's put all their decorations up? Yeah, you would have had to have left. That wouldn't have been a joke. That would have been, okay, that's great. Um, Taunton next week, I think, putting up their lights. The truth is it does feel early, but it's never too early to begin to get ready, to prepare ourselves. I'm not just talking practically, but spiritually. To enter into a season that we can so easily just bob through Another Christmas. Maybe God doesn't want it to be another Christmas for you, but a time of significance with him. Peggy sent me a note last week about how the Lord's been speaking to her about readiness. Um, I didn't bring my cup up. It's just there. Could you pass me my cup? Um, And interestingly, particularly the words, make room, which we've just sung and I think was given as a word after Ewan spoke on presents. Um, Plenty in the Christmas story were not ready for the arrival of Jesus, for this baby. Single most significant birth of all time. God himself coming to be one of us. And can you believe it? Some people's answers were, I'm sorry, no room. Sorry, too busy. The single most significant event up to that point in history. So tell me, do you feel ready? Have you made room? To give him space this Christmas? To give him room in your life and celebrations? To give him room in our church? Are we ready for Jesus to burst him when he wants to? To return at his timing when he wants to? Are we ready? Or is life too busy? Is there too much going on in this season? Sorry, Jesus, but no room. Help us to begin our preparations this morning. We're starting our new sermon series. It's called Experiencing Christmas Through Their Eyes. And this morning, it's not a typical sermon. It's more of a reflection, if you like, on three parts. 
Um, and I want you to come, in fact I want to warmly invite you to come and reflect with me on what that extraordinary arrival of Jesus, the interruption of God's plans coming to pass, really meant for one of the people in the Christmas story. And given the reading, you're probably sat there going, I know you mean that. It's Mary, isn't it? No. <laughs> no, it's not. I want to reflect on the often overlooked character in the Christmas story. The little tag at the bottom of our reading this morning, Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, the wife of Zechariah, the one who was, oh yeah, also pregnant. You know that one? Oh yeah, oh, oh gosh, yeah, she was, wasn't she? I've titled it, Even Elizabeth. Because if you notice, that's how she's referred to in our reading. In the translation um, that Sue read, it was just, Behold Elizabeth. But if you look in the NIV and in other translations, they go with, Mary, even Elizabeth. Even Elizabeth will have a child, Mary's told. And there's something about this phrase that stuck out to me in my preparations. It struck me. Even Elizabeth. The Greek words are there, you know. Idu kai Elizabeth. Behold, even Elizabeth. Mary, all this is going to happen to you. You will bear a child. Oh, how can this be? Well, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. You're going to give birth to the Holy One, the Son of God. And if that wasn't enough to convince you, Mary, even Elizabeth is pregnant. Oh, see, God's words can be trusted, Mary. Even Elizabeth will have a child. It's as if saying, you'll never believe it, but even the least likely person of all has also been included in God's plans. Like when the teacher's telling you to write more at school, and they say, well, even John has written half a page, and you've got a sentence. You go, oh, what, even John? Ooh, I better, you know? Or <laughs> you're struggling with football in PE. Look, even Jenny scored a goal, Matt. Come on! Well, even Jenny, ooh, can't do it, can I? <laughs> I wonder if you've ever felt like an even Elizabeth, someone others don't perhaps have much faith in. The truth is, People probably didn't think much of Elizabeth. They might have had mixed feelings, but the Bible tells us that along with her priest husband, Zechariah, she's actually described as being extremely faithful and a devout person. A pair of them were unusual in their piety. Elizabeth loved God, honoured him with all her life and all she did. She said her prayers. She followed the rhythm of festivals to the letter. She knew her scriptures. How can you say this, Matt? Well, the Bible simply says her and Zechariah were blameless in every way. It doesn't mean they were perfect. It just means they held the law. They loved God. In a generation that probably didn't, they stood out as people who really trusted him. And yet she had no children. And in those days, I'm sure you know, people wrongly believed, really, that it was a curse from God for your sins if you didn't have children. It was a sign that you were not much good. You were overlooked by God. He didn't think much of you. He didn't care for your ways. And because of that, others would overlook you. You'd be scorned, disgraced, rejected. And for Elizabeth, now much too old for anything to change. Makes word there for someone this morning, but there is still hope with our God. She was written off in the eyes of the world, though. Ha! Even Elizabeth 
She's come, has she? She's turned up. So what was this first Christmas like through her eyes as the grace and purposes of God in sending Jesus touched even the most unexpected life, even Elizabeth? We're going to try just to hear the next bit of the passage and to give you a break from my voice. Hopefully, oh, they are. We're going to hopefully bring up the reading. Even Elizabeth actually became pregnant. How would she respond to such an extraordinary and unexpected blessing? One option would have been to run around telling all her community, finally, I'm pregnant! Ha ha, you wrote me off, but you were wrong! Losers! Who's even Elizabeth now? Not me! Something tells me that Elizabeth, this Elizabeth, was far more dignified than that. We read instead that she took herself into humble solitude for five whole months. We don't know why. Was it to hide from others in case it didn't happen? Maybe. But something tells me that it's possible and perhaps even likely that Elizabeth used this time to draw close to her God. This time of thanksgiving and wonder, almost overwhelmed by what he's done in her life. Her husband, if you remember, had been struck Uh, unable to speak by the angel when he doubted what the angel said. Do you remember that from last year? I mean, how will I know this is going to take place? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And now you will be quiet. (laughs) Oh man, I love that moment. So Zechariah comes back unable to speak, but he's told Elizabeth it's going to happen. And it does happen. Now he is forced into quiet and solitude, if you like, but she chooses to go into this time of quiet reflection She didn't want to make a song and dance. She wanted to be in the presence of her God. The Lord has done this for me, she said. You can sense she was so grateful. You see, for years this quiet lady had not required the approval of others for her to faithfully follow her God. For years when others had written her off, she'd long written off the prospect of having a baby, I have no doubt. But she'd never written off her God. She trusted him no matter what. Her name seems so fitting to a quiet and faithful character. It's made up of two Hebrew words, Eli, my God, El. If you ever hear El in a Hebrew word, it means God. So Eli, Eli, and then Shiva, Elishiva, Elizabeth. It's translated through the Greek and then into ours, but uh, from the Hebrew into the Greek and then into ours. But it basically means, Shiva means an oath. My God is an oath. He's faithful in every way. When he says something, it is true. His words are true and come to pass. She believed it all those years. When everyone else scorned her, told her that God was against her, she believed his faithfulness in her quiet way. She trusted him even in the pain and the sorrow she carried. And I don't know about you, but it's so easy to let pain and sorrow build this kind of hollow bitterness or resentment or darkness in us, isn't it? must have been possible for Elizabeth to slip into that. But she didn't let herself grow bitter. Even in the deepest loneliness and disappointment, my God is faithful. He is an oath. I trust him, no matter what comes or goes. And so now in this moment, she finally realises God is growing a baby within. She doesn't run to the community. It makes sense. She retreats into his company. She's learned over the years that even isolation has a purpose in the plans of God. 
over years of enforced loneliness, when all the other mums were bustling around their families, she'd come to terms with her portion, surrendered to the mystery of her God's way and built her trust in him. Instead of feeling left out like the young David out in the fields, on his own, looking after the sheep when all the others were feasting, he chose in the quiet and solitude to discover the goodness of his God. So does Elizabeth. David wrote of a shepherd who was always with him, leading him in green pastures beside still waters, refreshing his soul. Elizabeth knew that God. David was prepared in the solitude, the humble solitude, for what God had in store for him. So was Elizabeth. So it's fitting she turned back to her friend, to her God, in those quiet early months of pregnancy. I don't know if you ever feel lonely. I don't know if I've ever asked that from the front before. I don't ask it lightly either. Loneliness is really hard. Perhaps Christmas feels like a lonely season for you. Of course, loneliness can be literal, physical. Somebody who was there is no longer. Somebody who's never been there is still not there. It can also be emotional. Some of you might feel lonely even in a crowd. The truth is, for you and me, this side of heaven, we may never see the fullness of God's plans for us and all he has in store, the glory and the wonder and the peace and the joy and the relationships and the fulfilment. But in Elizabeth, we see again that even in the humble solitude, we can meet God in these times. No, I want to say not even, but especially in those times. We can learn like her to trust that God is an oath, an oath who has declared, I will never leave you or forsake you. Remember Harold, Remember Harold, amazing member of our church, used to sit over there, used to look and Harold would give me a, yeah, and it's going well. Um, he lost his beloved wife, Rita, and he once told me how lonely he felt once he'd lost Rita. And he was at the door of his house thinking, I don't want to go back into this cell anymore. Then the Lord spoke to him in that moment and said, Harold, it's not a cell, it's a sanctuary. You can come in and be with me. And it changed everything for him. In quiet and in trust will be your strength, the Bible says. It's not about the big crowds or the frenetic activity. In humble solitude, the Lord meets profoundly with people if you let him, if you make room. Even Elizabeth, he meets with. Think for a moment. How can you connect with God even during the lonely or quiet times this Christmas season? How could you reach out to someone lonely this Christmas? Let's listen to the next little bit of the story. So she spent her months in solitude and now Elizabeth will have emerged into a community that would have been shocked by the evident bump that would now be on display. Have you ever thought that? (laughs) how they must have wondered at this miracle. How is it even possible with her being beyond childbearing ears? You can... Ears? Years. Um, (laughs) Beyond childbearing ears. Uh, Beyond childbearing ears. You can imagine the gossip going round. How did Elizabeth, this humble and quiet country lady from the hills 
in Judea. How did she respond? Did she allow herself a wry smile or a giggle at the faces of disbelief? And the, when they saw that she was just choosing things in the market? I don't know. I wonder how she felt to have been honoured by the Lord in such a way as this, to carry a great prophet who would prepare the way for the coming of his son. Maybe inside was John the Baptist, preparer of the way for Jesus, the greatest and final of the old covenant prophets. However she felt when her cousin Mary arrived after a five-day journey to visit her, Elizabeth realised instantly that Mary's honour was far higher than her own. She was not just carrying a prophet, but the Messiah, the Lord himself. In comparison, Elizabeth's honour almost paled into insignificance, yet once again, there was not an ounce of jealousy or bitterness. There's not a sniff of, oh, for goodness sake, you had to come and rain on my parade, showing up here with your son of God when I've only got a prophet. (laughs) It's not a sense of God's doing something better in your life than in mine. She simply recognises that that wasn't even in the script. I made myself laugh with that. Um, she simply <laughs> recognises Mary. Mary is so blessed, and she bursts in that moment into spirit-filled worship. Wow! She worships Jesus. We read from the moment she hears Mary and meets Mary that the baby inside of her physically leaps for joy. The veil is lifted, if you like for Elizabeth, to the plans of God. She knows who Mary is carrying. And in that moment, she's filled with the Holy Spirit and she bursts into prose, into song, actually. Uh, The NIV says she shouts. This quiet, humble lady cannot, no, she will not hold it back when she meets Jesus. Blessed are you, Mary. Blessed is the child you'll bear. Why am I so favoured that you, the mother of my Lord, should come to me? Blessed is the child you will bear, the Lord. When you think about it, it's a pretty awesome moment. Before anybody else gets a chance to worship Jesus, even Elizabeth sneaks in and does. I love this. What an honour for her. Yeah, how's it so? I mean, it shouldn't have been really, should it? She should have realised, hang on a minute, he's not ready yet. He's not cooked fully yet. He's not even born. He's just a tiny, tiny little baby. The beginning of Mary's pregnancy. Elizabeth should have realised she should have taken her turn and waited with the wise men or the shepherds and worshipped Jesus in the crib once he'd arrived. And she's having none of it. Filled with the Holy Spirit, she realises who he is. Nothing's going to stop her from glorifying him, declaring her praise, declaring his lordship, even to an unborn baby. Did she actually become the first recorded earthly person to worship Jesus. Maybe. But there is someone else who worships him as well, isn't there, in this moment? Did you notice it? (laughs) Scripture says that John the Baptist leaped for joy inside her womb in that moment. He leaped with exultation. He exalted Jesus in that moment. Both were still babies in the womb, but one baby's worshipping the other baby. What an extraordinary insight and moment in history. The angel had promised that John would be filled in the womb with the Holy Spirit. It's clear that even though he could not think properly or talk properly or communicate properly yet, 
that the Holy Spirit was with him and enabled him to worship Jesus. What a beautiful thought that even a baby could worship Jesus when the Holy Spirit is present. I just want you to think about that for a moment. Presence of the Holy Spirit, deep speaking to deep. And the soul and spirit of even a baby can go, Jesus, wow, you're amazing. Anyone, anyone is able to worship Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes and stirs them. Friends, I simply want to remind us all that we're created for worship. It is our greatest calling to be worshippers of Jesus. It's what our souls yearn for. And so this Christmas, I want to ask you, you're going to prioritise moments of worship. When you think of Christmas, do you think of worship? Or do you think of all the other things? Rejig it this year. Worship. Here we've seen the very first time someone meets with Jesus. He burst into worship. It's always the right and natural response to the wonder of our God. Because of this, no matter where you are or how you do it, worship is never meaningless. Don't think, oh, it's just that bit we do in the sing and I don't really like it. No. It's always eternally significant. Every moment you spend in worship, when you say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to make room for you. Praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Every one of those moments echoes down through eternity. Join with the hosts of heaven in the eternal song of worship. Yet I wonder, do we sometimes make excuses why I cannot worship Jesus in this moment or that moment, in this season or that season? Do we make excuses why we feel I can't worship Jesus today or in this place or in this environment, not here at school, gosh no, not not here in the workplace, uh, not during the week, I, I, I leave that for the weekends. I need to sort some more stuff out in myself first just want to say this morning, perhaps you don't. All you need is a touch of the Holy Spirit and anywhere, anyone, any person can fulfill their greatest calling and worship Jesus heartfelt in spirit and truth. Doesn't have to be planned, doesn't have to be clever, but delight in it. Look for those moments, make room, choose to be a worshipper this Christmas and this season. You don't have to know all the answers or fully understand all the theology, even John in the womb could worship Jesus, even Elizabeth. Think for a moment, in what ways can you prioritise moments of spirit-filled worship this Christmas? Think about it, folks. What are you going to do differently? Just going to give you one final thought. We have seen humble solitude and spirit-filled worship. But now we're going to witness unwavering courage from Elizabeth, the final section of the story, if we can. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth. The Lord had shown her great mercy they shared. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, But there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened 
and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Thank you guys. I know it's not easy, something technical at the back, but that's good. We just about heard that. Seeing that very, we think the miracle of this section is that Zechariah gets to speak. This guy uh, who had been unable to speak because of the angel is lifted and there's a miracle. What if the miracle of this section that's overlooked is actually the disregarded and quiet, humble lady called Elizabeth who actually speaks up first in this moment? But don't forget or underestimate the joy that it must have been for her to be restored to her community. This moment she never thought would happen. Surrounded by mothers, cheering her on, filled with joy, her baby in the middle, about to be circumcised and named. Gratitude must have welled up inside her. That people-pleasing bit within must have been there. I don't want to change this for the world. Look at everyone's faces, finally. Smiles and joy. I never thought this would happen. I don't want to break this for a moment. I'm going to just ride along with the joy of what's going on. Oh, Elizabeth, isn't he wonderful? Of course he'll be named Zechariah, won't he? Yes, what a gorgeous name. Oh, what a wonderful. Looks just like his dad, won't he? No. 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 Exclamation mark in the NIV. Not so in other translations. Emphatic in the Greek. No. Stop. His name will be John. He is to be called John. John? John? Really? No one in your family is called John. Here's Elizabeth again, acting all weird, disagreeing with us. We thought that even Elizabeth might get this bit right. Yet so-called even Elizabeth refused to leave God out of her story just to appease others. For decades she'd faithfully followed his way in the quiet, And now in this moment she will follow his ways in public. Despite the disapproval, Elizabeth faithfully, passionately, humbly but firmly declares, no, this is the Lord's will, his name will be John. Sorry guys. This was the name reveals to Zechariah, Yohanan, Yo or Yah, Yahweh, the name of God, Hanan, gracious, God is gracious, he will be called God is gracious, that's his name. And Elizabeth would happily receive the scorn of the community to stand by it. Yes, they're frustrated. Guess what? They overlook her again. Oh, well, let's go to Zechariah. We can't listen to... uh, See where he's at? No, he gets the tablet. His name is John. Oh, okay then. Okay. And they're in awe and wonder. Because in that moment, Zechariah... Uh, His mouth opens, the praises kick off. It's an extraordinary moment of joy and his praise is recorded in scripture and in that moment, Elizabeth, even Elizabeth's story, quietly fades into the background and we don't hear about her again. That's it. She's gone. In the storyline. But those last words were strong and her voice was clear. She spoke with clarity and faith into a community that surrounded her. Her voice is powerful. She didn't mind declaring that God was the centre of her life. He always had been, always would be. His ways, not mine, not yours. His word was the word she would follow above all others. 
She wanted everyone to know, even Elizabeth. Unwavering courage. Think for a moment. How will you use your voice this Christmas? What will you say in a world that does need clarity? It does need the hope of Jesus. It does need to see people that really do believe what they believe and live it out. What will you write to whom? In the presence of differing opinion, how will you make clear that for you, Jesus, not in a bullish or aggressive way, but in a kind but sincere and faithful and humble but unmoving way, how will you declare that Jesus is central this Christmas? Our time is up. We're going to finish with a song now. But before we do, I just want to conclude with a thought. Christmas through even Elizabeth's eyes. Humble solitude, spirit-filled worship, unwavering courage. Even Elizabeth. And yet, one final thing I want you all to realise this morning, that there are no even Elizabeths in God's plan. Just Elizabeth, chosen and loved by God. And I want to say to every single one of you, God calls by name, and there's no even tagged in front of it. Ah, even John. Ah, even Chris. Ah, even Susan. Ah, there's none of that. Instead, he declares that you and I, despite our frailties, our failings, our sin, are especially called for purpose and destiny. Each one of you this Christmas is especially called to deeper relationship and trust, to heartfelt worship, to courage, to declare his name. Elizabeth's little baby would grow up to shout and proclaim, prepare the way, the Saviour's coming. The Saviour was coming especially for the ordinary, for the humble, for the left out, for the lonely, for the unsure, for the overlooked. His coming was for the unimportant, but the ready, those who've made room. And his coming means there's no need for even Elizabeth's anymore, or even Chris's, or even John's, or even Mary's, or even Susan's. His His coming was for you and for me. Mary put it this way. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. But he sent the rich away empty. As the angel put it, for no word from God will ever fail. Take a moment just to reflect with me. I just want to say to you there's opportunity this morning and this season to draw closer to your God. It doesn't have to be an also ran Christmas season. It's opportunity for you to be filled with his spirit afresh, to worship him in new ways. There's opportunity even the quietness to meet in a deeper way with your Lord. And there's opportunity for courage and witness and sharing the goodness of Jesus. And don't think for a moment you can't do it. You can. Even you can. 
even I can. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you. In this moment now, as we finish this morning, would you just give us a moment of your presence and time now so that we can give Jesus a moment of our hearts, adoration and our focus and our attention. As we finish now, we finish by exalting the King of Kings, the one who came for the humble but who himself is Lord of all, the one who left everything to come and meet ordinary people like us and change our lives and this world forever. We worship you, Jesus, now. Come, Holy Spirit, as we finish together. Come, let this not be just a closing song, but let our hearts turn in worship to our Lord and King. Amen.